Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 23rd episode of the Tech Bootcamp Podcast. The title of today's interview is It's Not Just Lyme, the Alpha-Gal Meat Allergy. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Sarah Sheneman is a mother of three homeschool children, outdoor preschool teacher, and Cutstown University-educated artist residing in rural Virginia. In August of 2018, Ms. Sheneman's life was turned upside down shortly after she discovered a Lone Star tick embedded under her bra. Three weeks after the tick bite, Ms. Sheneman went to bed and was awoken by an allergic reaction that included swollen lips, chills, stomach cramps, and a rash. The allergic symptoms would repeat any time Ms. Sheneman came in contact with any mammal products, including meat, wool clothing, mammal-based medications, leather shoes, airborne cooking odors, even a kiss from her dog. Ms. Sheneman has been forced to alter her life to avoid coming in contact with mammal meat products. To document her allergy-driven struggles and to help others struggling with tick allergies, she turned to social media. In her powerful Instagram, she shares dietary and lifestyle tips with her followers and urges them to tackle the alpha-gal allergy head-on. Hello, Sarah Sheneman, and thank you for joining the podcast. Hi, how are you? We're doing well, thanks. And Sarah, can you begin by sharing with our listeners a little bit about your background? My background, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and I went to Kutztown University, and I have an art degree, and then I grew up, and now I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I homeschool. I have three sons and a bunch of animals, love the outdoors. Well, I homeschool my two older kids, and then I have a preschooler, and the preschooler and I I lead a class with Tinker Garden, which is a nationwide outdoor play-based learning for preschool ages. So I do that at the neighborhood Arboretum. So I'm out there meeting with probably about 30 families a week with their toddlers and exploring and learning about everything in nature. Were you tick aware while you were growing up and living your life? Yes, I've been very tick aware. Maybe not as a kid. I didn't see many as I was a child, but in my adult life and living in the woods, I've lived here in the woods for five years, so I knew they were here. I have relatives that have had limes. And at what point in your life did you start to get impacted and feel sick? Last summer, the end of summer of 2018, I got a tick bite that I think was on me for two days at the most I missed the tick doing tick checks. I checked the rest of my body and I didn't remove my sports bra and it was under the edge of my sports bra. And after that tick bite, almost within a day, I got flu symptoms. So the tick bite was red and I chose to take doxycycline. So I took the 10 days of that and I felt really, really sick by the end of the 10 days. And within a few days after stopping the doxy, I had a reaction to red meat. So now, at that point, you're starting to get sick from the doxy. You're not really feeling much better. Can you walk us through the next steps? Well, so I had a reaction to the beef. I had a pasta with beef sauce. I went to bed, and that night, crazy reactions, face swelling, not to the point that I couldn't breathe, but to the point that I knew that I was having a food reaction. I was itching. I had like splotchy rashes all over my body. I felt horrible. I mean, I couldn't even think or talk. I couldn't even let my husband know what was going on. I just knew I was sick from something. So the following day, I started Googling tick stuff and I found Alpha-Gale and I was like, wow, maybe. So then I started reducing mammal, saw immediate results in my health and feeling better. But then it just was this, like it's 
good to figure out what's going on, but then the amount of things that contain the alpha-gal is huge. Sarah, before we go into the alpha-gal, I'd like to walk you back a little bit to the tick bite experience that you had. You, you indicated that you found the tick underneath your sports bra, and I, I'd like you to talk to our listeners a little bit about how you first removed the tick. I was angry that I missed that tick because, you know, you like realize, oh, no, right? Because I have been so careful with tick checks, so I ripped it off. You, you pulled it off with your finger? Not good. Yeah, don't do that. You get somebody to help you and you take a picture of it on your skin, get it out really good, take another picture of your skin because sometimes you can zoom in and see if you missed anything, put the tick in a bag, take a picture of the tick, make sure its head's still on, save the tick in case you need it. That's what I should have done. Frustrating. And sir, of course, I mean, look, it, it, it's, it's an emotional experience when you are bitten by a tick, which is one of the things I'm going to ask you to stay with me with for another second. So you, you find the tick, you're upset about the tick, you pull it out, and what'd you do with it? I flushed it. So you, you lost, unfortunately, a, an important piece of evidence <laughs> that you might have wanted to use to develop a treatment protocol, correct? Correct. Now let's move forward to where you were describing your symptomology. So I first assumed, like with the rash, with the symptoms, I assumed limes. I mean, and then I, when I started reacting to the meat, I assumed alpha-gale but I didn't think that, you know, it's not just like you can have one or two of them, right? So I thought I was sick. So I started just focusing on my immunity, my gut. I stopped those antibiotics, got on probiotics. And my symptoms, then I could see, I just eliminated red meat. So I could see that I was feeling a little better, but I was still having highs and lows, major brain fog, sleeping issues, hot and cold, like temperature, body regulating issues, GI issues from like all ends of the scale. So then I started a food journal, which is what I think everybody should do if you're not healthy, because the foods start lining up with the symptoms pretty quickly. So then I realized okay, there's a lot of things going on. I'm sick all the time. What is this? So I tasted pork to do a test. So I ate like three pieces of pork and two and a half hours later, same cycle started again as I had with the beef. So that was bad, right? I was like, I guess I have it. Sarah, in addition to the food journal, do you think it's beneficial to create a symptom journal as well to correspond the food with the symptoms? Oh, yeah. I, and yes, if, if you're making a food journal, I think it's best to have obviously the date, time, any symptoms, right? Anything you eat, what time you're eating it, what time your symptoms are, and environmental, like where were you? Because sometimes we're getting reactions to the smell of either chemicals or fragrances or, you know, when I'm exposed to fumes of cooking mammal. Right. So these now it's like also environmental. So you list all these things. I just call it a food journal. And then you start to see what made you sick. So Sarah, I think one of the important notes here is most people expect when they have a food allergy to feel sick rather quickly after eating that meal. But with the alpha-gal allergy from a tick bite, it can take hours and hours and hours. You can eat dinner, go to bed, wake up in the middle of the night and start to have an allergic reaction. Right. Right. And mine. So mine's almost like clockwork to two and a half hours and but the, I have a really fast metabolism kind of are always have to run pretty fast I think that probably plays a role in it like something happens in digestion that causes the reaction but uh, other people I mean it's eight hours some people 
So they're fast asleep after a big dinner. Super dangerous. Sarah, can we again walk back a little bit to the symptomology journey that you're on? So you began rashing and you started to feel sick and you started to suffer brain fog. Can you just walk through the rest of that journey and what steps you took both with research on your diagnosis or your symptoms and what medical treatment you sought out? So I pretty much just self-diagnosed myself and I knew I just had to eliminate mammal from my environment, from my food, then I could heal. So I had a pretty positive attitude. So I started off doing that. And then I found that I was having other food reactions. So then I took a mail-in blood test that I saw on Shark Tank and I got food allergy tests back. There's a lot of controversy about blood food allergy tests. There's a lot of things in the allergy world that are similar to the Lyme's world where the tests aren't accurate. You can get different results. So it's hard to really find out what you're allergic to. But I took the information from this blood test. And of course, this blood test was taken without me eating mammal, without me eating any dairy. So it was already kind of from a restricted palate. But it came back that the things that are listed high on my list are definitely things that I have allergies to, like corn, gluten, wheat, mustard. I mean, what? Right? Mustard. I used to eat mustard on everything. Did you have any of the symptoms that you were showing, allergic symptoms or reactions to any of these food products before you were bitten by the tick? No, I could eat anything. Right. So, so you didn't really have any of these food allergies at all prior to being bitten by the tick. And now, not only are you exhibiting these mammal meat allergies, you're having allergies to a wide variety of other foods too. Right. I had a, a shellfish allergy my whole life. And so on the allergy report, I know what a shellfish allergy reaction is because I've had that a few times. Nothing anaphylactic, but definitely close, right? Rashes, throat itchy, those kind of symptoms. So that came back that I wasn't super allergic to it, but was on the chart on a possibility edge. Like, I feel like that was accurate. And then when I started trying all the other foods, I could tell which was accurate about the test. So the test is like a good starting point for your diet, but not definite. Can you share with us how you used both your journaling and now some of these early tests that you took to interface with members of the medical community? I kind of shied away from doctors. One, because I felt like on good days, I was so healthy. And on bad days, there's no way I could have drugged myself to a doctor, right? It's kind of like you're either out or you're good because the reaction kind of takes a while to work through your system. So I didn't go to the doctor. I have a good friend who was, when this all started, she was still a stay-at-home mom, and now she's back to practicing medicine, and she's in Richmond. So she kind of has been with me on the journey and is now my doctor since her practice opened back up. There's nothing really she can do except learn with me and learn about it, because the medicine is don't eat alpha gale, or don't eat mammal, don't eat this. And when I would line up like my food journals to what I'm allergic to, some symptoms were taking a day, like dairy could give me a rash 24 hours later. So you never think like all of these things line up. But when I'm off all of the stuff that I believe I'm allergic to, my body's running great. Sarah, so you had the alpha-gal blood test done by Viravore Labs, correct? Yes. And my doctor ordered that and we did that. And that was done after an eight-month period of you not eating any foods that you were allergic to and being sort of symptom-free for an eight-month period before you did the blood test, right? Correct. And can you talk to us about the results? 
So the results came back negative. And on the alpha-gal test, they test for the IgE in pork, beef, and lamb. You, then you get like an al- overall alpha-gal number. And on support groups, some people have numbers that are way like 80s, 90s, 40s, right? But if you're under supposedly 0.1.0 or something ridiculous, then you should be symptom-free. But I'm at zero, no alpha-gal, completely negative, and still have symptoms. But I think there's a parallel here between the alpha-gal testing and Lyme disease testing that from our research and probably from your research, we have found that the alpha-gal test is not perfect. There are many flaws in the alpha-gal test. Is that correct? Correct. There's many people in the support group that also test negative, And I mean, some people test positive, so you have to go off your symptoms. Right. So many people are being diagnosed with a clinical diagnosis rather than a blood test because it's so not accurate. There's only one lab performing the test and we're still learning so much about this new allergy and even how much worse it can be than just a a meat allergy and affects so many other things like your allergy to dairy and other types of foods. Correct. Well, and there's a lot of mammal products in all those foods that no one knows about, right? Little ingredients that are mammal. That's right. So Sarah, I'd like to learn a little bit more about your environmental exposure. So we understand that if you ingest the food, of course, you're going to have a reaction and it varies from meat. It can be, you know, usually two and a half hours later. If it's dairy, it can be 10 hours later. But how else has this affected you? So if, if somebody's cooking mammal meat or you're going out to the grocery store out and about, what do you have to be careful for and what do you have to look out for in those situations? Well, just simply in my house, just with my children, they can't melt any cheese. They, of course, can't cook any mammal. I had to get like a new grill, new pots and pans. Nothing can have any mammal, which is cheese and all red meat. In the house, they've completely changed. They can eat cold cheese doesn't bother me, like taco cheese. Like the smell of cold cheese doesn't bother me. But if you put it in the microwave, within 15 minutes, I'll have a headache. And that headache usually lasts up to eight hours. Right. So then when you go out, I can't go to any restaurant. There was a pork barbecue thing outside like the awesome farm stand. I can't go there anymore because they're always cooking pig. And then like the grocery store, I have to go before like 9 a.m. before they start cooking anything because just the smell. So I'll start in the grocery store and say if it's like a half hour walk through the store. By the end of the store, I'm lethargic, exhausted, and then usually get a headache shortly after I leave the store. So this is really an impact on how you can go out and live your life outside of your home and even in your home. Correct. I can't really leave. Can you talk, Sarah, about how this has impacted your family and your your friends? Huge. Of course, it's stressful on me. But then I have three kids that don't really understand. I mean, they kind of understand that I'm sick and stuff, but their life's changed. And then my husband, who now has to do all the grocery shopping most of the time, does a lot of the cooking, tries so hard to feed me because just feeding myself alone and just cooking is a whole nother job, like hour wise for like a stay at home mom. Now I'm like in the kitchen three times as much as I used to be. So you're spending a significant portion of your day just preparing your food and making sure you're eating a diet that you can live with and not get sick from. Right. And the stress on my family is is just insane. And then, like, it's hard to see my extended family because, you know, what do you do when you see your family? You go out to eat. So I can't do that anymore. Nobody wants to come to my house because, you know, I got these ticks. So it's kind of like, oh, I have, you know, sick checks if you come over to visit me. Sarah, are there any folks in your social circle or any members of your family who are doubting whether or not you're really sick? 
Um, well, I kind of downplayed it for a while. I'm kind of coming out a little bit more now that I feel like I have a grip on my healing path and that I can maybe help people. But I kind of keep my to myself a lot. Like I think through the past year, my husband's heard me complaining a bunch, but not really. And my doctor, she hears me complain a lot. But other than that, I'm just, I just keep on going and do the best I can. So that kind of attitude probably helps. Sarah, can you tell us <laughs> whether or not your alpha gal allergy has impacted any of the clothing that you wear? We, we've seen from some of the uh, articles we've <laughs> seen that, that folks can't wear wool and, and, and other kinds of products are yeah. causing an allergic reaction. Definitely wool is a no-go. There's some weird stuff. I used to be, or I kind of am, I went to school for fiber arts. So I like spin, I weave, I crochet, I knit, and I can't touch wool at all anymore. I used to use it all the time. I used to knit with it. So I can't use wool. I can't wear wool. I have a couple shoes that are leather, but I have to wear socks. And if I, if I don't wear socks, like when my feet start to sweat on the leather, they start to itch. They have, it hasn't broken out or anything, but they definitely itch. And my dogs, I should be allergic to my dogs also, but I have to like not kiss them and I have to wash my hands and I feed them all <laughs> vegetarian kibble because uh, I don't want to touch the meat of the kibble, right? Sarah, on that note, I think your worst exposure to mammal meat was an interaction with your dog, right? Right. After I had Alpha Gale for, it was probably about three or four months and we bought a puppy, which it was awesome. My husband gave me a puppy and whatever. So we got him some bones and it was like this weird pork bone, not even thinking like with the alpha gal, you, you just, it's really easy to have these triggers when you really don't know what it's going to trigger you. So the dog ate the bone and I was actually very careful about giving it to him and put him away from the house and not near me. Right. I knew it was a pork bone, but it's a dog, right? She was a puppy. So he then kissed me after eating it and I could taste this horrible, nasty, nasty, metallic taste from the kiss and at that moment you know my heart just sinks and there's a ton of anxiety that comes with this huge anxiety was probably my hardest thing to work through because you get so scared that a reaction is going to happen and you have to wait so i waited and then two and a half hours clockwork mouth starts swelling throat starts swelling and i took alpha gale patients or whatever we're called allergy people use sleep melt they're like Unisom sleep melts, which are the same active ingredient as Benadryl, but no mammal in the medicine. So this is a huge thing if you have an alpha-gale allergy is getting safe medicines. Sarah, how are you determining whether or not a synthetic medication is meat-based or not? Well, so on ingredients list, if it has magnesium stearate, S-T-E-A-R-A-T-E, that is a fat possibly derived from animals or possibly from plants. So unless the medicine says vegetarian sourced, then you can kind of assume that it's possible that it's mammal. And guess what you have to do? You have to call the manufacturer. You have to have the lot number of your medicine. And you have to check to see which type of magnesium stearate was put into your medicine. So I feel like, well, I'm going to take the ones that are safe on the label. There's probably more medicines that could possibly save. They change their sources of their, um, where they get their supplies, right? So sometimes things change. The If you Google it, like under vegan on the internet, they'll tell you that it's not animal magnesium stearate isn't being used. But companies, when you call them, they'll tell you, yeah, there was some animal product or people get a reaction to it. And you get a, you know, alpha gale reaction. So we know that it's mammal and also gelatin and uh, glycerin and 
Leonelin. Sarah, this is clearly a very difficult task to identify foods and medicines that don't have anything that will cause an allergic reaction. What are your doctors recommending that you have in case of a reaction? Yeah, definitely the sleep melt. And then I have also um, liquid children's Zyrtec. So that sometimes, like if I know I need to go out of the house, I'll take that as kind of a pre-allergy, try to lessen my symptoms of the day. Like when you know I'm going to be, have some triggers, that kind of stuff. Of course, the EpiPen. I have the EpiPen and I carry like a mask to try with smells, but it doesn't really seem to work much. What are you doing in parallel to keep your immune system strong? That's pretty much my whole protocol is to stay healthy and hopefully that fight the you know, reactions faster, right? So what I do, I have liquid vitamins because, again, vitamin ingredients can be sourced from different mammal products. So you have to double and triple check every label. I have liquid multivitamins that I take in the morning. I have liquid multivitamins that I take at night. I had done a um, blood work for heavy metals because I, I think that's a growing problem in our immunity or immune health. So I came back that I was low on iodine. So I take now like a drop of iodine every day, which is crazy. I don't know why. Iodine might have some connection to thyroid which there are a lot of alpha-gal people in my support groups that have had long-term thyroid issues too. So I don't know if that low iodine was connected to my health before or the alpha-gal. I take the iodine and I take probiotics like crazy. Sarah, I, um, I have a whole bunch of questions now on the geek out front of alpha-gal. You have become an educated expert on alpha-gal. So can you first... <laughs> Can you first share with our listeners, what is the cause of alpha-gal? Because in some of the research I've done, there's a suggestion that alpha-gal is caused by a prior blood meal of the tick being injected into the person who was bitten. And there has been some suggestion that it, perhaps it may be a protein in the tick's saliva. Can you help us with that? From the latest that I've read, I think they believe that it's something in the tick that they did not necessarily have to feed on a mammal to give you alpha-gal. That there's some really tiny, tiny seed ticks that are like, you know, larva stage that they found to be carrying alpha-gal. That makes you think they hadn't fed yet. Okay. Now, can you share with our listeners, is alpha-gal a reaction that can come from any tick or is it only from a particular type or types of ticks? Unfortunately, there's very, very little research. But from what the research says, the Lone Star tick can definitely carry alpha-gal. There's been some speculation that chiggers can carry it. And then the other, there's a new tick in the United States, that Asian longhorn. And that one has traced it to alpha-gale wherever it came from. So that one might be carrying alpha-gale too, but there's no research. No one knows. But definitely the Lone Star has been linked to having the alpha-gale. Sarah, and I think that presents some problems for, for many people because if you're bit by the Lone Star tick and you think that you have this alpha-gal allergy, the Lone Star tick can carry other diseases as well. And we know the likelihood is high that you're not actually going to get sick from one thing, but many things from a tick bite. So for example, if somebody suffers from auriculia, which can be treated with something like doxycycline and also now the alpha-gal allergy, how do they get treated for the auriculia if they can't take doxy because of the mammal meat? Right. Well, I don't think any doctor is even thinking alpha-gale when you go in for that initial tick bite. I mean, I have friends that are in the process of going through doctors and stuff, and they're not looking for alpha-gale. They don't even tell anyone to be weary. Oh, this tick could produce these symptoms within 
you know, the next month or so. So the doctors aren't even preparing. So they're not even thinking, is this medicine safe? Maybe someone that went in that already had Alphagale, then their doctors saying, okay, let's research safe medicines. But it usually goes then to the pharmacist and the pharmacist has to research it. Alphagale patients are just educating everyone on what's in their medicine. If I were bit by a tick, Sarah, and now come to you and said, Sarah, I think I might have multiple different diseases. What would you recommend? Because clearly I'm not going to get the right guidance from my doctor, likely the pharmacist. Are there alternatives to the pill version of doxycycline I could take just in case I might have the alpha-gal allergy as well? There is definitely some liquid antibiotics that could help if you know you weigh your options and you think antibiotics are the right path. But I think if you have a compromised immune system, then you just need to build your immunity and your gut and your sanity, right? Take care of your mental health. And then maybe you need that liquid doxy to kick any diseases out, but you just don't know. I, it's hard to tell what is the right answer. I want to ask you one more question before I get to the part of our geeking out together that uh, you and Matt are on. <laughs> Do, do you know how long a tick has to be biting you or feeding on you before the alpha-gal allergy can be transmitted to you? Nope, they don't know anything. You want to hear a little fun fact? Yes. So there's these things called knockout pigs that are genetically modified pigs that they raise to use for surgical implants. This is in practice in the United States has been going on for years, and they know enough about alpha-gale to remove it from a pig, but they don't know anything about why humans are getting sick with the alpha-gale. So that blows my mind. So Sarah, now let me get you to the point where uh, I want to be in our geek out session. I was bitten by a Lone Star tick and I had a very yes, bad experience. I, know. I had a very bad experience with my uh, medical professionals. And one of the things that I've decided to do after studying some of Mr. Buner's herbal recommendations is I, I've begun to take an herb that has now enhanced my immune system. And I'm planning to take that during the entire tick season here in New York. And one of the questions that came to me which I want to ask you to think about, is whether or not I was increasing the likelihood of suffering the alpha-gal allergy by enhancing my immune system. Is it possible that a supercharged immune system could result in me having an alpha-gal reaction? I would think it would be the opposite. So I think if you have a healthy immune system, you might not have had the reaction to the alpha-gal and the tick bites. And I'm just wondering whether or not the alpha-gal allergy is really an overreaction of your immune system as opposed to an underreaction. And again, I, I don't know. It was just one oh, right. that I had. I think with me, it's an overreaction of my histamine response system, whatever that is. I don't understand it all, really. I, I think you understand it better than most, Sarah, which is why uh, this is so disconcerting. You are probably one of the most well-informed folks on this allergy, and you have more questions. Well, I don't know things. about that. There's a lot of people that have had it for a long time, and they really do have some awesome Facebook support groups where everybody is open-minded and helpful. So that's been a lot of help. I definitely am not the only educated one. Can you can you share with our listeners where they may turn to to get support if they are diagnosed with the alpha-gal allergy? I would definitely Facebook groups, alpha-gal. There's a bunch of them. There's some like separate for states, so you could go local. There's some nationwide ones. There's some worldwide ones because that's the other crazy thing. The alpha-gal is worldwide. So that's a big wide view too, like what's going on. And can you share with our listeners how that's helped you through this challenging journey? 
definitely the online support group. It was a place to to make me feel less anxiety, right? Like if someone else had a similar reaction to me or if they're dealing with something similar and we can chat that up. I've met a lot of friends through the support group. So that definitely helps knowing your mental state is okay. Like, because I think at first before the support groups, it's really hard to say, wow, that's making me sick. How can that be? Am I crazy? You know, do I need more sleep? Like what's going on? So when you have a community that's also dealing with that in this bizarro twilight world, we're all dealing with this together. Some on different levels, some with more reactions, some on more medicine too, right? Like some people take a lot more allergy meds and inhalers and other things, right? So I'm somewhere, no medicine, but highly reactive, trying to control it through nutrition and environment. Sarah, one of the stories you shared with me, which I didn't know and I just find fascinating, is this cancer drug research study they performed. Can you explain that for our listeners? Right. So the cancer drug, I know it starts with a C. They were doing a cancer drug trial and they were doing it in Tennessee. Some of the people from the first dose of the new medicine grown in like mammal cells, a lot of these patients that got this drug went into anaphylactic. And they were like, whoa, pull the plug on this drug, right? Which is that's where Martha got in trouble for her insider trading. So then they found out the trial people, what was different was that they were from Tennessee and they had already had alpha-gal. It was just the region where they picked their group of people of why that percentage is high of people that had the anaphylactic reaction. So that's when the doctors kind of got on board that, oh, this is alpha-gal. I think there had been some other doctors throughout the world that have documented things on it, but it really is only about 10 years old as far as diagnosis. By the way, Sarah, for our listeners, I'll spell the drug. It's C-E-T-U-X-I-M-A-B. I I guess it's Cetuximab was the name of the cancer drug. How has Sarah transformed as a consequence of this journey you've been on over the course of the last year? It's been pretty big. Even some of my, like I always wanted to raise sheep. So now I can't raise sheep, right? Because I can't be around wool and I can't have mammals. Um, I raise ducks, so I still have some sort of animals. Big dreams have changed, right? And then on a smaller scale, I don't leave the house much. If I do, it's just to go to a park about five miles away. And our life is very simplified. And I don't eat anything, really. On a positive note, Sarah, we love following you on social media. And you're not letting this ruin your life. You're still enjoying your life. You're doing things that make you happy. You're still teaching kids. And you're making the best of it, right? What can you do? I, it was. It's kind of been a process through the year. At first, it was pretty depressing. Like, you, you think, okay, I'm strong. I was doing all the right stuff. And then I'm the one that's sick, right? Like, as a mom, you kind of think, like, what if someone else gets sick and I have to take care of them and do all this stuff? But as a mom, when you get sick, you're like, oh, no. It feels like I've let everybody down because I've had to step back. But as I progress and I feel good when I'm at home, then we can still have this normal mom's not sick life at home. We just are restricted on other things we can do because they can all do it. They go out to eat. I just stay home. There's another part of your transformational journey, which we see with so many folks who have suffered from a tick bite. And that is you become a part of a community of people who are trying to help others who have faced this challenge. Right. Well, and, and I, I'm trying to help people from having to face this problem. Like it's really great connecting with people that are on the similar path as me and chasing the same health kind of goal. 
but I'm trying to help through my classes and through my community outreach, like right directly at my community level with prevention and with knowledge of what bugs we have in our community and what bugs we have at our park and reducing the fear. So I'm trying to help before people get sick is the goal. Which is a perfect transition to where we'd like to answer. Can you give our listeners a specific list of steps that they would take or should take to avoid finding themselves in the position that you now find yourself in? I think the best advice is to introduce tick checks into your daily routine. No matter where you live, no matter if you were outside that day or inside all day, these ticks are now becoming very, very common. They can sit in your house for days and climb up on an old towel or something. So you must be doing tick checks every day. If I were going camping for like a weekend, I would use chemicals like bug spray. I live in an outdoor environment, so I can't be spraying constantly on myself and my children. So here we wear clothes, we wear boots. We, you know, try to go outside when it's not too hot so that you can wear long pants without sweating. So we try to change our habit to be able to live in this environment and then tick checks and lots of dirty clothes that goes into the dryer. So, and also if you do get a tick bite, remove it properly, take pictures, lots and lots of pictures. If you need any help, reach out to someone. And if you get flu symptoms or anything after that tick bite, you must see a doctor and it might be the best option to take antibiotics. You're taking a twofold approach. Number one, you're active in all of these groups for people that are sick with AlphaGal and providing guidance and education that many don't have like us and we've learned so much from you. And on the other hand, you're helping people take the proper steps to not get bit by a tick and get sick like you are. So you're really hitting it from both angles and we're so grateful for people like you that are helping spread awareness. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with Sarah Shenneman. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Sarah Shenneman, please visit her Instagram at shroomlovesfrog or her Facebook at Sarah Shenneman. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast interview with Sarah Shenneman, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get the automatic episode updates from our Tech Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes. This is a new effort on our part, and we would really like to have your help in creating the show you would like to listen to. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you for listening.